I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today's reading is Job chapters 35 through 37. These are the last three chapters of a six-chapter speech that Elihu began back in chapter 32. Now chapter 35, verse 1. Elihu spake moreover and said, Thinkest thou this to be right, that thou saidest my righteousness is more than God's? For thou saidest, What advantage will it be unto thee? And what profit shall I have if I be cleansed from my sin? I will answer thee and thy companions with thee. Look into the heavens and see, and behold the clouds which are higher than thou. If thou sinnest, what doest thou against him? Or if thy transgressions be multiplied, what doest thou unto him? If thou be righteous, what givest thou him? Or what receiveth he of thine hand? Thy wickedness may hurt a man as thou art, and thy righteousness may profit the son of man. By reason of the multitude of oppressions, they make the oppressed cry. They cry out by reason of the arm of the mighty. But none saith, Where is God my Maker, who giveth songs in the night, who teacheth us more than the beast of the earth, and maketh us wiser than the fowls of heaven? There they cry, but none giveth answer, because of the pride of evil men. Surely God will not hear vanity, neither will the Almighty regard it. Although thou sayest, thou shalt not see him, yet judgment is before him. Therefore trust thou in him. But now, because it is not so, he hath visited in his anger, yet he knoweth it not in great extremity. Therefore doth Job open his mouth in vain. He multiplieth words without knowledge. Now Elihu began this monologue, this long monologue, back in Job chapter 32. This is the only time we actually hear him speak. Don't you just hate it when somebody argues with you by misquoting what you said and then attacking that point? That's exactly what Elihu had done in chapters 33 and 34. And now he's at it again. In verses 2 and 3, he seems to suggest that Job had indicated his righteousness was greater than that of God's. Well, here's the reality. Job never said that. He also seems to suggest that Job had included the concept that sinning was no big deal in these two verses. With those inaccuracies as his springboard, he continues his condemnation of Job. A condemnation that is basically misdirected because Job never said that either. He tops it off by dismissing Job's monologues completely in verse 16 when he says, Therefore doth Job open his mouth in vain. He multiplieth words without knowledge. That seems to be the inflammatory equivalent of, Job, you're just blowing hot air. Make no mistake about it, Elihu is not part of the solution here, but a very confusing part of the problem. In chapter 36, we see some arrogance, quite a bit of arrogance on the part of Elihu. Verse 1. Elihu also proceeded and said, Suffer me a little, 
and I will show thee that I have yet to speak on God's behalf. I will fetch my knowledge from afar, and will ascribe righteousness to my Maker. For truly my word shall not be false. He that is perfect in knowledge is with me. Behold, God is mighty, and despiseth not any. He is mighty in strength and wisdom. He preserveth not the life of the wicked, but giveth right to the poor. He withdraweth not his eyes from the righteous, but with kings are they on the throne. Yea, he doth establish them forever, and they are exalted. And if they be bound in fetters, and be holden in cords of affliction, then he showeth them their work and their transgressions that they have exceeded. He openeth also their ear to discipline, and commandeth that they return from iniquity. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity, and their years in pleasures. But if they obey not, they shall perish by the sword, and they shall die without knowledge. But the hypocrites in heart heap up wrath. They cry not when he bindeth them. They die in youth, and their life is among the unclean. He delivereth the poor in his affliction, and openeth their ears in oppression. Even so would he have removed thee out of the strait into a broad place, where there is no straightness, and that which should be set on the table should be full of fatness. But thou hast fulfilled the judgment of the wicked. Judgment and justice take hold on thee. Because there is wrath, beware lest he take thee away with his stroke. Then a great ransom cannot deliver thee. Will he esteem thy riches? No, not gold, nor all the forces of strength. Desire not the night when people are cut off in their place. Take heed, regard not iniquity. For this hast thou chosen rather than affliction. Behold, God exalteth by his power, who teacheth like him. Who hath enjoined him his way, or who can say, Thou hast wrought iniquity? Remember that thou magnify his work, which men behold. Every man may see it, man may behold it afar off. Behold, God is great, and we know him not, neither can the number of his years be searched out. For he maketh small the drops of water. They pour down rain according to the vapor thereof, which the clouds do drop and distill upon man abundantly. Also can any understand the spreadings of the clouds, or the noise of his tabernacle? Behold, he spreadeth his light upon it, and covereth the bottom of the sea. For by them judgeth he the people. He giveth meat in abundance. With clouds he covereth the light, and commandeth it not to shine by the cloud that cometh betwixt. The noise thereof showeth concerning it, the cattle also concerning the vapor. Now, look at Job chapter 36, verse 4. Here's what it says. For truly my word shall not be false. He that is perfect in knowledge is with thee. So, who is he talking about here when he proclaims that Job is in the presence of someone with perfect knowledge from God? Well... Elihu here is referring to himself. Does this guy have an ego problem or what? We know from Job chapters 38 and 39 that his words aren't any more correct than the others who spoke to Job prior to Elihu's speech. Come to think of it, I've met this guy, so to speak. He's the would-be counselor who can't get his own affairs in order, but he's determined to blast others with advice. Look at verses 11 and 12. He says, 
If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. But if they obey not, they shall perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge. That's the same lame theology that has dominated everyone else's thinking in these speeches. And here it is, that God rewards righteousness and punishes evil. Therefore, Job, you must be evil. He obviously knows no more about God than Job's three friends. Oh, one more thing. Job's three friends were satisfied with hitting Job with innuendo and glancing blows. Well, not Elihu. He goes right for the throat. Look at verse 17. He says, But thou hast fulfilled the judgment of the wicked. Judgment and justice take hold on thee. It's apparent that Elihu is right in Job's face and accusing him of evil. Now we see in chapter 37 the conclusion of Elihu's speech. Verse 1. At this also my heart trembleth, and is moved out of his place. Hear attentively the noise of his voice, and the sound that goeth out of his mouth. He directeth it under the whole heaven, and is lightning unto the ends of the earth. After it a voice roareth, he thundereth with the voice of his excellency, and he will not stay them when his voice is heard. God thundereth marvelously with his voice. Great things doeth he which we cannot comprehend. For he saith to the snow, Be thou on the earth, likewise to the small rain, and to the great rain of his strength. He sealeth up the hand of every man, that all men may know his work. Then the beasts go into the dens, and remain in their places. Out of the south cometh the whirlwind, and cold out of the north. By the breath of God frost is given, and the breath of waters is straightened. Also by watering he wearieth the thick cloud, he scattereth the bright cloud, and it is turned round about by his counsels, that they may do whatsoever he commandeth them upon the face of the world in the earth. He causeth it to come, whether for correction, or for his land, or for his mercy. Hearkeneth unto this, O Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Doest thou know when God disposed them? And cause the light of his clouds to shine? Doest thou know the balancing of the clouds, the wondrous works of him, which is perfect in knowledge? How thy garments are warm, when he quieteth the earth by the south wind? Hast thou with him spread out the sky, which is strong, and as a molten looking-glass? Teach us what we shall say unto him, for we cannot order our speech by reason of darkness." Shall it be told him that I speak? If a man speak, surely he shall be swallowed up. And now men see not the bright light which is in the clouds, but the wind passeth and cleanseth them. Fair weather cometh out of the north, with God is terrible majesty. Touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment, and in plenty of justice. He will not afflict. Men do therefore fear him. He respecteth not any that are wise of heart. Well, he just spends this chapter, Elihu, waxing eloquent on the powers and qualities of God. He's definitely in Job's face. Look at verse 14 when he says, Hearken unto this, O Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. 
Here's this young man spouting off and calling Job by name in his monologue. However, there's no news here. It's worth noting the last verse of this chapter, verse 24, where he says, Men do therefore fear him. He respecteth not any that are wise of heart. This seems to be another obvious dig at Job and his perception of his own righteousness and wisdom. Here's the mystery about Elihu's sixth chapter monologue. He is no more correct in his assessment of Job's situation than Eliphaz, Bildad, or Zophar. Yet, in Job chapter 42, verses 7 through 9, those three men, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, they're required to offer sacrifices before Job for their part in scolding Job with bad counsel. We see that in chapter 42, verse 7. Well, we see in this six-chapter monologue that Elihu was equally as wrong, but no mention of consequences is made regarding him. Why? Well, I don't know. To me, it seems quite impossible to vindicate him based upon an analysis of his words in these six chapters. He argued the same incorrect points as did the others. Let's consider a couple possible answers to this question. First of all, Maybe it was because the three friends verbally attacked Job over a period of time, perhaps weeks, maybe even months, while Elihu only gave one speech, and that was just before God spoke. But here's a second possibility that I like a little better. Maybe Elihu was employed in some way by the other three to reason with Job, you know, like a professional mouthpiece, so to speak. He doesn't introduce new concepts in his speech. He just restates in different words what has already been incorrectly stated by the three friends. So, if he's serving as an agent of the other three, that would explain why he does not seem to be held accountable in chapter 42 by God alongside them. Well, whatever, two things are certain. Elihu misspoke. And no mention is made of repercussions against him by God for having done so. This brings to the conclusion all the monologues accusing Job of wrongdoing and Job's defense thereof. And as a matter of fact, we're going to see in tomorrow's reading, beginning with Job chapter 38, that God will speak. We'll get that correct assessment of exactly what Job's going through, beginning with tomorrow's reading. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.